everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the FearCast. This is the podcast dedicated to OCD, anxiety, anxiety spectrum disorders, and getting your life back. I'm your host, Kevin Foss, and I'm a licensed clinician specializing in OCD and anxiety disorders. So thank you all so much for joining me. This is a question and answer based podcast where you get to ask questions about um, your own experience, about about um, how to overcome OCD, what sort of things you can do, what is this OCD, how does it how does it work? How does it not work? Um, and uh, in addition to that, phobias and uh, various other fears, generalized anxiety disorder, anything related to OCD and anxiety, anything on the OC spectrum is what they call it, or the anxiety spectrum, however you want to refer to it. It's stuff that freaks you out. That's what we talk about here. So if you would like to ask a question, go over to fearcastpodcast.com and you can submit a question there. Uh, find me over at Instagram as well. You can ask a question over there as well. I am fearcastpodcast.com. Um, on Instagram. Uh, you can send me an audio question there. Uh, you can also uh, email me the uh, uh, the link to or link or, or you can email me your question uh, via audio. And uh, as I've mentioned before, it will skyrocket right up to the very top and will go on the next episode. Uh, again, I, I just think your voice is so much more interesting than mine. And I would love to have your participation uh, in this. And I think other people, um, other people have messaged me and they said they really appreciate having having other people uh, share their stories via audio. So um, uh, let's try to get that going. So hope everybody out there is doing well. Um, uh, on, on this episode, I'm going to be uh, I'm going to be sharing my interview with uh, Christina Orlova. Uh, she uh, I'll tell you a little bit more about her uh, in just a moment before the uh, the episode. But um, but I had her on to discuss her uh, her uh, her ebook that is currently out. Uh, and it is on compulsive rumination. It can be found over at Amazon. I'll, I'll include some links to it uh, and some of her other information uh, in the uh, the show notes on the episode page so you can check that out um but i I, it was a really fun conversation to have with her about uh, about her book and about what compulsive rumination is um how it manifests in uh in the world of ocd how uh how one can uh become aware of it uh and how they can start to uh challenge it or to uh, minimize its impact on, on their life uh, and uh, and we go over that uh, in in her book, not only the information in it, but also kind of generally just how the book is is meant to be used to help someone combat uh, some of their uh, their compulsive rumination. So let me tell you a little bit about uh, Christina, and then we'll get into the interview. So Christina Orlova, founder of Core Results OCD and Anxiety Specialist, has been in the mental health field for over fifteen years. Uh, she has uh, she's been specializing in OCD and anxiety disorders for the past five years. Christina utilizes a combination of evidence-based therapies such as CBT, ERP, ACT, and inference-based therapy, and mindfulness uh, to assist you in breaking uh, the cycle of OCD. She's the host of OCD Whisper or the OCD Whisperer podcast, and is the author of How to Stop Ruminating Plus 30-Day Journal. So here is my interview with Christina Orlova. All right, Christina Orlova, thank you so much for joining us for the FearCast today to talk about mental obsessions. 
Thanks for having me, Kevin. Absolutely. Well, um, I, I'd love to chat with you about um, just what, what mental obsessions, how mental obsessions work in someone's life, uh, in, is specifically in someone's uh, uh, some, uh, manifestation of OCD. Uh, and uh, I, I, I also understand that you've, you, you've written a book on the subject. So I'd love to talk about how, how someone can use that book for, for their benefit in trying to fight against the, 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 the the, the, the influence that mental obsessions have in their life? Yeah, so it's a lot of great questions in there. Um, I guess one thing I'll start with is that, you know, in OCD, I think, I think one of the things that a lot of people sometimes miss is they think that the act of thinking about whatever the fears are, the concerns are, is them actually having a productive thinking process and that they're going to actually arrive at some conclusion, they're going to problem solve something, they'll have some clarity, and then everything will resolve and kind of go away. And what they don't realize is that quite often, um, when you start to kind of loop in your thinking process and you're dwelling on negative aspects of whatever the event or the issue is for the person, whatever the obsession may be, um, and then you, you think you're coming up with a solution, you feel like you're close to it, but you actually never quite do um, I think a lot of people don't realize where, you know, you, you go from productive thinking to more of this compulsive rumination is, is really what it's called. Um, you know, generally, as humans, we all can ruminate on things sometimes. That's something we just do. It, it's, it's not like it's abnormal to do that. But in OCD, uh, we have that compulsion feature. And the compulsive features, it's more like that, that sense of urgency, the, this big need, like I have to, I need to. Uh, figure this out, or I have to keep thinking about this, or I have to review this in my mind. Um, and so it, it comes with this heightened sense of like, um, like if I don't do this, then either something bad is going to happen, or I won't figure this out, or some, you know, I, I won't make this experience go away. And of course, everybody with OCD will tell you that the, the number one thing they get is the intrusion. And then of course, there's that feeling that comes with it, whether it's anxiety, shame, guilt, and that negative feeling state usually is so heavy um, that of course, the thinking any human you're going to try to resolve that but the problem is of course the more you try to resolve it through behavioral or um, mental behaviors or physical behavioral acts it doesn't actually resolve it um, and so specifically the, the mental rumination piece I found in my practice for myself personally because I have OCD um, you know like I didn't know for the longest time that that's what it was and I remember getting so stuck in my head for hours and days and not being able to release, you know, I would just continue to, I'd get up and think about things, I'd go back to think about things, I'd review things in my mind over and over again, replay scenes over and over again, um, start to think about it from different angles, oftentimes thinking maybe something was missed, or if I could just do it this different way, somehow it would resolve. But in that time, what wasn't realized is that those things did not change the outcome of what whatever had already happened, it did not also change the outcome of my obsessions. It didn't change the outcome of the feeling states. Um, it actually made everything 10 times worse. So in working with, with clients, one of the things I saw is uh, there's a lot of different compulsions people can show up with, but one of the common ones I saw was definitely this mental process where people were not recognizing that it was a compulsion. And they really thought they were just thinking that they were actively analyzing something. Mm -hmm. um, and so, I, I don't, you know, I know there's some resources out there, but I've not seen that many. Um, I know Dr. Greenberg uh, talks a lot about you know, rumination in general and how to really stop that cycle. Right. Um, 
But that's what really kind of catapulted me to think, you know, why not create a product like a little ebook that'll give you kind of a, a good basic understanding of what this is and then gives you 30 days to really practice how to engage in different behaviors than ruminating. Um, and so, you know, the 30 days, I really picked it because it, it takes about a month to build a new habit or to break a habit. So when we're talking about changing a behavior, especially when it's something that's in your mind, so it's not like, you know, you're locking a door and you could see yourself, you know, locking it, unlocking it. It's something that's happening internally. It can be harder to really kind of put your finger on it. So my kind of aim with this journal and this ebook was to uh, basically give some prompts to folks so they can start to actually bring awareness to this mental process and mm -hmm. really look at, you know, some of the steps that they might need to follow and target to actually break the cycle. Um, you know, and the ebook is really based on a combination of exposure response prevention and acceptance commitment therapy. Awesome. There's a ton of information. I was writing a couple of questions down that I, I want to try to go over. Um, yeah, I, 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 I love in the book that you actually have have a couple of quotes from um, from Dr. Greenberg. I think that she he's um, he's had a, a if if I've, I've had um, um, Dr. Greenberg on the podcast to talk about rumination before, how it works, how to fight against that, uh, and hopefully I'll have him on again. Um, he he and I were recently in chat, so hopefully that will we'll be able to find time in our schedules. Mm -hmm. But. Um, but I was curious about the that 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 process. So for for someone who's struggling with rumination, um, I know you, you you talk about how they you know, they'll they'll go through that process where it feels like they're trying to figure it out, and you know it's it, it it's tough to draw that line between what is appropriate thinking and when it crosses that line to rumination. For the average person, how do you help? them to kind of figure out whether or not they're doing reasonable, rational, typical human thinking versus rumination? How do you define the differences between those yeah. two? Yeah, so great question. I, I think there's a couple of different things. One is, you know, in, in behavioral work or cognitive behavioral work, we talk about the function of behavior. So understanding the purpose of a behavior. Um, so oftentimes I will ask uh, folks to essentially tell me when they have had times when they had productive thinking, what has that actually led to? What actually happened? So we'll talk about those things that are non-OCD related just in general, because as we all know, it's not like you're having OCD episodes 24 seven nonstop. You have times when you're just yourself at baseline. So we start there. So we, we, we kind of want to inquire and take a look at what does that process look like? Um, and then we, I have them um, think about maybe some people in their life and kind of give me some examples. What do they see kind of their average folks or folks they care about in their lives who don't have OCD, what do they typically do? Mm -hmm. So they'll start to do a little bit of kind of research in that department and, and start to get paint a picture, right? Start to understand that, oh yeah, people will kind of think about things, but usually the purpose of that process is there is some sort of a conclusion and outcome they arrive at. And then, um, you know, if it's a problem, they'll, they'll come up with some solution. They actually go implement it. They'll see if it worked or didn't work. They'll kind of come back to the to the drawing board and see, okay, if it worked, great. If it didn't, what needs to be tweaked? And so then I'll have them say, okay, now tell me what happens when you start to um, really get pulled in by something that's triggering for you. Mm -hmm. um, then we'll start talking about, well, I start to feel, you know, X, Y, Z feeling, guilt, mm -hmm. shame, et cetera. I feel like I have to, you know, 
try to find somebody to resolve it because maybe I did something wrong or bad or I'm a bad person. Um, and then I have them actually start to write out the questions, what, what kind of thinking they're doing. So as they're writing it, you know, I'm a big fan of helping people, especially when they ruminate, get things out of their mind and on paper so they can actually see it. Um, so once they start writing it out, they start to notice and I'll point out like, oh, so are you finding answers or does it, does it seem like you're having more questions? And are the questions different or is it just the same question asked in different ways? Mm-hmm. So as we're bringing awareness to that process, they start to catch it and go, oh. Um, and so that, that's one way that we start to tease out and I train them on understanding the purpose of the behavior and, and what outcome are you actually getting. Another thing I also help them understand is, you know, kind of defining what the process is like. So when you're engaging in these kind of repetitive thinking processes, right, are you actually getting more questions or less questions? Are you feeling more anxious or less anxious? Right. Um, so that's another way that you can start to separate and tease it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, lastly, looking at, you know, how long have you been on this topic for, you know, and I've had people tell me things like, well, I've been trying to figure this out for four years or six months. And I'm like... Well, does that tell you something, right? Like mm-hmm. may, maybe after four years, there might you think somebody would have some clue of something, right? There'd be something going on differently than still going over the same thing four years later. So what might that tell us? So things mm-hmm. like that um, are ways that I help people start to kind of tease this out and, and learn the difference. Right, right. Yeah, it can be... It, 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 People tend to justify that process so intensely, right? It just it 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 feels. I I, I love the emphasis you put on feels. Um, you know, I'll say that fe- feel is just a four-letter F word in the sense that it's it, you know we we feel too stinking much sometimes. So we give too much attention to the feelings that we do have. But yeah, they yeah you, you can, I like the way you described it. They'll go through the thought process. They'll consider things. They'll weigh the pros and cons. But then they feel like it just doesn't fit or they feel like they need to go back to the drawing board or just there's just something about it that isn't quite right. So it, they restart the process and relitigate and yes. go over the same bits of information. Yeah, it can be tough to try to get to, to nail down what is that question or what is the problem that pulls them back into that, that cycle. Well, yeah, and I think that's the other piece of it is knowing what is a trigger. I, I think sometimes, honestly, I have to I have to remind myself that some mm-hmm. of the concepts or terminology that seems so common sense to me is not actually, or even to other therapists or people in the field, like it's actually not necessarily common knowledge for folks. Um, I have had people who said, like, well, what's a trigger? I don't understand what that means. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, great. Let's let's go there. Let's that's talk about actually it. Actually, pretty important. Yeah, right? because. You know, so I think that's also another piece is understanding, kind of unpacking what OCD is, right? OCD, I think, is very nuanced and layered. And it's not just always the straightforward, like we typically hear about contamination or lining things up. Those are the common things people in the field talk about, right? Mm-hmm. OCD, uh, for example, you know, it can be relationship based. Mm-hmm. Like that's one of the things I've had that I didn't know that there was such a theme as relationship OCD. And that it's not always an intimate relationships. It would show up in my friendships. It would show up with my parents. And I had no idea. So, you know, there's things like that that you don't know. So you might be in situations that you're getting activated or triggered and Mm -hmm. you have no clue that that's what's going on. You're thinking there's maybe some actual real 
concern, rupture, threat, something is actually really happening that you really need to um, solve. Mm -hmm. and, and that's a normal human phenomenon to want to solve something that feels strange or threatening or uncomfortable. We all kind of want to, you know, figure that kind of stuff out and resolve and feel better. That's an intuitive, natural process. Mm -hmm. But as I always say with OCD, everything is upside down. Mm -hmm. And everything, when you're doing the treatment, it's counterintuitive. And so when you don't understand that it's OCD, you won't know. But when you start to understand kind of how OCD, like the, the way it speaks, the way it feels, the way the OCD brain thinks and processes, you can start to understand, aha, these are my vulnerabilities. These are the ways that I get triggered. Um, and so even like part of the journal, you know, that's part of the process. One of the first things and prompts I have in there, it's, it's what was the triggering situation and what was your ruminative thought right after? Because that's quite often what happens. Something, something occurs that suddenly your anxiety goes up, suddenly you're perceiving the situation in, in some way um, and you're now not in that, in that calm, neutral place. You're now suddenly elevated. Now you're getting concerned and now you start to mentally um, kind of attach to that and go, oh my God, well, what just happened? Why did that happen? And well, what's going on? Well, do I want to do that? Or is this thing going on? Or is this bad thing going to happen? Or am I a bad person? And you, and suddenly it, it even feels like that. It's it, 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 it's very fast. There's a little bit of this pressured experience and it suddenly feels like you have to really stay with that, like, like the sense of urgency about it and you can't quite release. And so that's another way to start to recognize, you know, you know, see the experience. It's, it's not like you're just calm and neutral and going about your day. You're, you get very kind of alarmed and urgent about whatever it is that just kind of happened that triggered you. Right. Yeah, I can feel it, it can it can absolutely pull pull you in. And it got almost that um, I, I like that you talked about it as this, this urgency. It's like this problem needs to be solved right freaking now or else yeah right yep. yep and yeah that the 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 pattern o overall of or kind of throughout the month i like that idea of being you know every day there's going to be some some element of reflecting on what what pulled you back what pulled you back in what pulled you back in today because over time you know if 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 you're just reacting to the moment it's you're you're just constantly putting out fires Right. Exactly right. And you know when we're and that that process is very natural. That's very very normal. It should be there. But when that attention it goes to that same that same thing or in that same way over and over and over again to something that outside of the moment or to you know if it was happening to your friend, you might say you know this either it's it, it's not a huge deal it's not a problem or this you know there are other elements that you're not considering we can lose sight of it so seeing seeing your patterns over that month i i could see certainly being really helpful for folks well exactly right because again this is one of those behaviors because it's happening internally it can be difficult for people to recognize it or see it and so um you know, putting it out on paper, having having some prompts you have to work through and start to bring your awareness to this process, it really does start to have you pay attention differently. And so you can start to recognize, like you just said, you know, where something happens in your mind, you might think that there's something catastrophic or you're jumping to some big negative conclusions. But then, you know, you might look at somebody sitting there with you and they're totally fine. They've moved on. They're not. They're not even thinking about it. You know, you might even seek out reassurance and ask them some questions. Is everything okay? Are you mad at me? Anything like that? 
And they might look at you a little wild eyed, like, yeah, what are you talking about? Everything's fine. Right. So stuff like that, we don't often catch. Right. And when we are back at baseline, what's great is that you want to have some way that maybe you've tracked it and written it because I encourage my, 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 my clients, I say, look, do like a brain dump when things get really activated. Just get a piece of paper, write it out. Because later when you're actually calm again and you look at that paper again, you're going to give yourself that feedback and you'll start to recognize what was happening there. What kind of thinking was going on? And oftentimes people say, oh my gosh, I'm so glad I did that because I'm always in my head and I think I can do it all in my mind. And I'm like, no, we can't. Mm-hmm. That's how we'll get completely lost and confused and trapped more. But if you get it out on paper and later when you look again, you'll have that hindsight, you'll start to recognize your own patterns better. You'll recognize the way that pressured feeling comes on, that sense of emerg- urgency. You'll recognize the thinking patterns. Um, oftentimes you might even start to pinpoint ways that maybe your thinking is a little bit distorted. And then, you know, lovingly, you might be like, oh, there I go again, jumping to conclusions or, oh my God, I'm personalizing everything again. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can, you can start to recognize your own thinking styles and patterns, especially when you're escalated so that you can more quickly and easily kind of reorient yourself. Um, and so, you know, this kind of stuff does, does take some time. I mean, a month is just to kind of get people started. I often have found people telling me that it's really, it really would take them two to three months of us working on this behavior, really focused on this behavior. It would take them about two to three months to, to truly separate and see the difference between when they're actually thinking productively mm-hmm. and when they're in fact feeling like that, that strong pull or push or whatever it is, but to continue to lock in and think about something over and over and over and over, kind of like a hamster in a wheel where there's literally nothing new happening other than just regurgitating the same thing mm-hmm. you know, 50,000 times. Right, right. I know in, in you've you've talked about on on your podcast uh, IBT and um, a, a lot of what uh, or some of uh, some of it is is learning to trust your own experiences, learning to trust your own sense, senses, as it were. In a sense, I could see you know the, the the process of writing it down of of in a sense journaling what your reaction and relationship is with your thoughts and your thought processes as being really helpful, and then learning learning from your own experience and trusting that gosh when you get that incredible urge that this has to be done or fixed right now or else that that comes up a lot and yeah. in retrospect or afterward you're either or when when the when that urgency starts coming down that either that problem is ultimately not a problem or that that problem is simply unresolvable Exactly right. Exactly right. And those are things you won't know until you kind of create a little space from it. And I love that you mentioned um, IBT because, yes, I. so this journal is really based on using both exposure response prevention and acceptance commitment therapy. But um, I've, I've been using inference-based therapy as well. Um, and I do have to say I like that approach because it also helps to slow this whole thing down and really look at what is your reasoning behind why you're getting kind of caught up into this um, place where you're now feeling like you have to think about X, Y, Z, right? It helps you recognize um, what kind of information are you using to justify that process, right? So um, it helps us to start to see why, why it feels really real. It feels like everything is actually factual, 
But again, when you start to write it down and you look again, you start to recognize that, no, you're pulling information from so many random different pieces of your life that when you really look at it and you can name it, um, you could see it. And I mean, I think that's true for humans in general and learning. We have to have a way to talk about things. We have to have a way to kind of name it and label it so we can wrap our mind around it and learn the concept. And now we can orient ourselves and say, oh, I'm doing that thing again. Um, so, you know, IBT definitely helps with that process. I think um, I love acceptance commitment therapy in terms of kind of measuring and looking at your unwillingness to mm -hmm. sometimes have difficult experiences because it's called life. I mean, just the act of living, we all are going to be having difficult challenging experiences and knowing that it's not always going to be, you know, roses and daisies. And, and I think also, you know, learning to be really present focused because here and now is where we get our information here. And now is where like, I know right now I'm talking with you because I can hear you. I could see you. Um, so I know this is happening, right? I, it's not like it's something I'm imagining in my mind. Cause then I would be probably hallucinating. Right. Right. So, you know, here and now is a pretty important element. I mean, you know, I mean who's to say that prevention, I think, is great, too, because it helps us expose to things we not just fears, but also just uncomfortable situations and recognizing that avoidance is not the best strategy. I mean, in the short term, yes, it might help you. But in the long term, you know, to kind of build up your own kind of strength and, and confidence. Um, the more you actually get out there again and engage with life, engage with the things that matter to you, the more you you know can realize that you can really live a really happy, wonderful life that's actually meaningful for you, um, and that you know you, you don't have to play small just because you know your brain essentially is misfiring and right. sending you some mixed signals. Right, right. So. So let's say someone goes through this book, they've started monitoring their thoughts or catching, uh, monitoring their thoughts. Um, it, 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 the, the, it's, I find almost when we talk about attending to your ruminating, it's like adding gasoline to a fire sometimes, but that's a separate conversation. So the, so once they go through this book and they start catching themselves in in their rumination, catching the pattern, observing how things how how their brain gets suckered into that rumination, uh, that ruminative process over and over again. What what do they then do about this? How can they? How can someone who's you know listening to us chat and they go like I've kind of seen this process. What can I do to help you know slow this down or stop this? I mean, so so often you hear people say, well just stop right um i mean even in graduate school i don't know if you you were ever taught thought stopping the, the thought stopping uh, yes. technique right mm -hmm. um and what and, and you'll hear people talk about that on on you know in, in in movies or tv shows like just just calm it down just stop the thought process how what, what can someone do about rumination yeah so here's the thing in OCD, one of the things we know is obsessions, so things that we don't like, it's egodystonic. So when they pop in, whether it's a thought or an image or a feeling, we typically say we don't want to kind of touch those. We're just going to let that be. We, we, we try to let it float like a cloud in the sky or people maybe have heard the, the, the whole thing of entertain it with saying, well, maybe this will happen, maybe it won't. Kind of just letting it be. Well, we do want those, everything after, which would be the compulsion, that part we actually do want to interrupt and practice shutting it down. 
So we're not stopping the obsession, but we do need to actively, proactively really um, train ourselves to um, challenge and let go of um, over attending to it afterwards. So what does that mean? So in, mm -hmm. in this ebook, I will say this is not for somebody who's just n has never had any treatment at all. Uh -huh. This is for somebody who at least understands like what is an imaginal exposure and has at least tried it. So they have to have some basic concept or understanding. Um, so the thing with compulsive rumination, it's, you know, starting to look at creating kind of a list for yourself of what are the different ways that you can actually interrupt yourself. This is when it's actually appropriate to do that. We want you to interrupt yourself. We want you to actually shut that down. So it could be several things like, oftentimes people will say things like, well, when I get triggered, um, I can might sit there and just get stuck in my head. And when I ask them, well, what else do you have going on with the day or that you can do? They often will tell me, we kind of uncover that that tends to happen more so and it's more challenging when it's at times where they don't have much going on. They mm -hmm. might be a little bit more bored or it's a lot of downtime. Um, so in that case, we say, let's actually come up with different activities. What are some things that you would be interested in? Um, and let's really pair it with that so that we are getting engaged in things that you care about, that are meaningful for you, but that actually get you out of just sitting there and getting stuck in your head. Um, so it literally can be anything from changing your environment, meaning you can um, go for a walk, go to a class, meet a friend, read a book. If those are like too much for you, watch a movie. I mean, this is when, again, it's appropriate to actually interrupt that behavior and consciously put your awareness onto something else. Um, then we have other things like um, if that was, if that's something that let's say you were trying to do, but you're still getting stuck on, then we might say, let's, let's look at, you know, what's maybe a core fear that's, that you're trying to solve. What's the, what's that mean thing that you're trying to solve through rumination, through thinking about it. And let's be addressed with an imaginal exposure. Mm -hmm. So that would be another strategy that you could use. Right. Um, you know, what would be an opposite action is another um, kind of prompt that I have there. So let's let's think about what's, what could you be doing that would be the opposite of ruminating um, and really letting people come up with with some ideas. I mean, some people do, you know, have come up with something as simple as literally um, I have somebody recently who loves yoga, but can't quite get to a class. So let's just let's turns on the yoga on YouTube and starts doing yoga. I'm like, perfect. Um, somebody else who, you know, has little kids and what happens is, you know, gets kind of sucked in, in her mind. So one thing we said is, hey, instead of that, actually focus on your kid and start playing with your kid proactively even more. So give it more engaged in that playtime. So now they're playing with their kid and they're getting out of their head and really into the moment, right? And, and bringing their conscious awareness to being mindful of that moment of their kid of whatever toys they're using or crayons or however they're playing or bath time mm -hmm. um, so depending on who the person is that's something that we'll uncover is what are just a list of different activities that exist that are of interest to you and what specifically would be things that could really get you to be actively engaged in something else mm -hmm. um, so those are a couple of different ways that you could practice um, Another thing I've done with folks, um, and for myself too, is yeah. I've given myself and I've taught people to do like a 24-hour rule. So, you know, something comes up and you feel like, no, I have to think about it. I'm like, parking lot it for 24 hours. Just sit on it. Mm -hmm. Right? So you remind yourself, you know what? I don't have to figure it out today. I'll get to it tomorrow. I'll figure this out tomorrow. But today, I, I, I got to get back to doing whatever it is that I need to do. You know, my work, my life, whatever. 
Um, and then come back to the next day and see, does it still feel as urgent? Does it still feel as important? Is it still the thing that's right mm -hmm. at the top of your list? Has it changed? Um, so these are different ways that we can have folks interrupt those behaviors um, and start to you know, actively learn, like what happens when you didn't kind of give it your full attention? Did everything kind of fall apart or did you somehow make it? Right, right. I, I, I love how you're describing these, this, this mindful redirection into something else that, that matters most, right? Rather than just stop thinking about it, right? But it's a, you know, th think about what's going to be more important to you in this moment. What's remotely more important to you than having the same conversation yet again? But, yeah. Exactly. And, and it literally can be as simple as if I have 10, 15 minutes in my schedule, I physically will tell people, I literally want you to get up, go outside and walk. I don't care where, I don't care how, just walk. And when you walk, uh -huh. I want you to look. I want you to find things that are green. I want you to find things that are brown. Like, I'll give them tasks like that. Uh -huh. Because that's the way, of course, of being mindful, right? It's like the, the five or three to one, right? Uh -huh. Using, like, what do I see? What do I hear? It's a way to practice getting out there, changing your environment immediately, because our brains also make associations. So if I'm always at home sitting and on the couch, and that's where I start to ruminate, my brain has such a powerful association with that location as well, mm -hmm. that even interrupting that would be something I'd be looking at. It's saying, okay, if you typically sit there in that location, I need you to change your locations entirely. So every time you start to get sucked in, get up and move. Get up and do something else. Get up and, I don't know, put on, put on some, some music that you want to listen to and, and literally walk around the block five times and then come back. Um, so anything like that would be good strategies to, again, help to break that habit um, so that your brain starts to relearn that, okay, we're not going to associate it with that activity anymore. Right, right. I think it's important with, with the mindful re redirection to know yes. that by doing that, it's, it's not going to shut that thought out. It's not like you go outside and go for a walk and look for brown, brown things and green things. Then all of a sudden, whatever that question is, that burning desire to know, mm -hmm. is just going to drop off a cliff. It'll still be there nagging you in the background, but it's it's the thing that you're doing more. It's like, I mean, I feel like it's, you know, if, if all of your friends sent you an email and said, hey, we're all going to Disneyland today ditch work come with us to disneyland today you go i can't go with you because i have i have this presentation at work it's really important that i have to go when you're given the presentation you're definitely still thinking about disneyland yeah. but you decided to go and do something else it was an intentional action to get in your car and go to work and do the presentation or whatever the heck it is that you're doing and know that you're choosing to not do this thing that in the you know, to OCD's voice, gosh, you really want to get that answer. You really want to get this resolved or understood or make that, make the right choice because, and I hear this all the time from clients, well, don't you want to know? Don't you, shouldn't you know that you're with the right person? Shouldn't you know that you're, you're not going to ruin your life? Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right. And, and you know what? What's what's beautiful and fascinating is that actually when you practice doing things like this, and like you said, I, you know, I, I firmly believe in being really conscious and intentional. And when you start to practice living out of that place, you come to find out that a lot of the stuff actually either is really not relevant. You're not you're not really gonna know 
all the weight, either doesn't have an answer, or honestly, you just stop caring. You're like, whatever. Like, okay, fine. Maybe, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But right now in this moment, what I do know is that, like, I do love this partner, and we we do have a great connection. And I'm just gonna move forward with that for the day, you know. Or, you know, am I gonna, you know, die from whatever? It's like, well, I don't know. I do know I'm gonna die at some point from something. I don't know when. I don't know how. I mean, I could sit and think about that a lot more, but I also recognize that there's no way I'm going to get an answer to that. Like that, that's not an answerable question. So right. the more you also practice mindful living really is, is you learning how to really let go of this need for control. And strangely enough, when you kind of release it, you actually start to feel more in control in this weird way. And you start to feel a lot happier because you realize that your mind is doing what it's supposed to do, which is it produces a whole lot of different thoughts. It runs around in different directions. And your job is just to notice that. Notice that, love on it, be self-compassionate, kind, and focus your attention and energy intentionally back onto what you actually need to do, what matters to you, and the ways that you actually want to live your life, the way you want to design your life, right? Because our minds can be very you know, chatty, and that's kind of their job chatty it's the most polite way to say it um <laughs> but yeah I, I totally think that you're I, I i i totally agree with you on that well um well is there anything else that you'd want to add about uh, about rumination and, and what someone can do about it maybe if there's is there a takeaway that if someone's listening to this episode and going i, I just get stuck in my head so much and i can't I, or the the line i can't not think about it i have to think about it Right. So that, that the whole I can't and I have to, that's the urgency, right? Yeah. That's the urgency. That's the urge. That's, that's the recognition. That's a compulsion. All compulsions are created equal. And it's not that you can't. It's just you haven't practiced thinking differently, right? So if we've practiced responding to everything in the same way over and over, we, we reinforce that behavior. So it feels like I can't not think about it or I can't step away from it. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I tell people, well, you've been doing this for a certain period of time so now it's become your default that means you learned it so that means you can learn something else so you can if you want to it's just hard so well it it it, i'd say in the beginning it might be a little bit challenging but i think once you learn how to differentiate between what's actually again productive Mm -hmm. functional thinking process and what isn't once you once you start to see that the more you practice, the easier it gets, which is why, like I said, I started off with a 30-day journal because that's just enough to get your kind of foot in the door and, and really get you going. And then if you keep going for two, three more months, that's it, right? Anything you do, you know, let's say you do something new 10 times, you're going to suck at it. Mm-hmm. Or you do it two, three hundred times, you're going to be like, okay, I'm getting somewhere, right? You're suck less at anything it. Anything else. Yeah. So you, you just need to practice. Right. And know that you have to have a little patience. It's not going to be awesome in the very beginning. But the more you stay with it and the more you keep going, the better you're going to get at it. The, the more that muscle is going to get stronger. And then if there's no way you're not going to feel more confident and start to get more clarity. Awesome. Well, Christina, thank you so much. Where, where can people find more information about you? Um, they can go to my website, www.coreresults.com. I have my podcast, OCD Whisper. I'm also on Instagram as OCD Whisper. So those are the different ways. Awesome. Well, again, uh, Christina, thank you so much for your time. And uh, I, um, 
if we get any questions about mental rumination or about rumination, uh, would you uh, would you be able to come on back and uh, help answer some questions about rumination? Absolutely. And thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Have a good day. Bye. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for making it through that episode. Um, uh, if you want to check out her book, again, you can go to uh, uh, go to Amazon, check it out over there, or check it out over on her website. Um, if you have questions uh, for Christina for a future episode, you can go over to fearcastpodcast.com, and you can send me a question over there. I'm sure she'd be happy to jump on and, uh, and to answer some of your questions uh, in the future. So um, uh, until next time, everybody, please remember that the Fearcast is not substitute for psychotherapy. If you have questions about uh, treatment and need a little bit more help, your recovery and go to fearcastpodcast.com and you can find the uh, find help link there and there's going to be a little bit of information for you there so until everyone until next time please remember to uh, uh, take a risk challenge yourself and don't take your brain too seriously bye